Hello. Um, yeah, I'm back. You know, welcome back to the Mind Your Fitness podcast. Again, with me, your host, Tom Fowler. Third series. Wow. Um, yeah, thank you for coming back for the third series. And if you're new to the to the show, welcome. Uh, yeah, so it's grown arms and legs since the, the first two series. And I am so excited to share all of the knowledge bombs that I have for you. It's yeah, it's going to be insane. I'm going to be talking to to more guests on on this series, and I can't wait to share their journey with you all. You know, to help you become a you know a stronger and more resilient person. Please don't forget to subscribe, review, and share the show wherever you may listen to it. Throw it on your Instagram and you know tag me in it. And um, so yeah. I'm, Buzzing to get them started. So, you know, with that in mind, let's get cracking on with today's show. Okay, so on today's episode, we've got Andy Smith, who is from company Smash Life. I'm not going to do a disservice and try to explain them or explain Andy because I know he can do a better job than I can. So Andy, firstly, welcome to the podcast and yeah, who is Smash Life? Who are you? What is the message? What are you guys all about? Yeah, thanks Tom. Thanks for having us on. Um, basically, Smash Life is, um, is comprised of myself and my brother, Matt. Um, so biological brothers who, who and the backstory is basically we grew up in care um, didn't have a very positive journey in care so um, we were abused by our foster carers um, but throughout our adult life we've worked and supported young people and families and I think there was a bit of a frustration on both our behalfs working for different councils authorities, charities where we didn't feel the child in some cases was at the forefront of agendas. Um, And it's been a a kind of a long ambition where we thought it's the right time to kind of come together and provide mentoring. Uh, So one-to-one mentoring with children in care. So that peer mentoring as well, uh, lived experience, um, group work. Mm. So bringing young people together, facing them issues rather than kind of uh, pushing people apart um, and not talking about relevant subjects mediation so sometimes in schools you'll find uh, young people fall out and it's about bringing them together reflecting yeah. and repairing we do talks all around the country around trauma around understanding young people's behavior as a result of trauma around connection approaches um, all things really that are kind of the heart of you know real connection with young people and are going to bring a positive change um and i think i've covered everything there training yeah we do training as well so um you know get people in a room and have them real conversations and ask them what they would do in situations and we like to think outside the box so yeah a very diverse company okay so give me an example so something that's really out of the box okay so uh, i'm glad you asked that because basically we um, last week or no the week before half term was um, care leavers week mm. and um, the local authority contacted us and said um, 
what would you like to do with our care leavers? We're thinking of something uh, where we want to engage them. And I said, are you happy for us to really think outside the box here? Yeah, Andy, no problem. So we hired a place um, out in the woodland called Outbacks to Basics. And okay. um, it's basically uh, a woodland where they have compost toilets, uh, solar showers, um, they have fire pits, they have all sorts there. It's unbelievable. You could do wild camping. Um, and basically we hired that place and um, we got the group in there and we just got them kind of making dens, you know, building the fires, having real conversations around a fire in a natural environment, the biophilia effect. So the brain was kind of working. You've got that diversion. So they can't talk. They don't feel they're in a room. Yeah. And some of the conversations were amazing. And one thing that struck me when I left and I spoke to my brother was the PA. So the, obviously, obviously the personal advisors in the care system that came with them, they really valued it as well. They opened up around the, around the fire. They showed oh, their good. vulnerability to the young people that were attending. And we thought next year, we're going to do staff training out in the woodland, get yeah. people out their comfort zones. So that's what we like to do. We like to be creative because it keeps us with that fire burning as well. and keeps us on our toes. Yeah, definitely. Cause the, the last thing you are going to want, you know, you and you and Matt, you don't want to sort of, keep doing the, the same thing and like your passion dies when yeah throwing yourself out you know throwing yourself out of your comfort zone and being vulnerable yeah yeah you, you really see people thrive and I, i'm quite a big fan of sort of like going back to basics you know going out into like a wooded area sort of making you know a campfire and doing those, like, those activities because I don't know, for me, it just kind of feels like that's sort of where we, you know, where we're from and just coming yeah. back to nature and just, yeah, there's just something about, you know, getting muddy and making fire. <laughs> but it, I, think, I think it does, it brings the best out of people. You know, you, yeah. you, you don't get to use your phone that much because you've probably got no signal. And I think that is a, such a, a positive impact as well because... I think, you know, rightly or wrongly, everyone spends a little bit too much time on, on their phone. And for as social as social media is, it makes you really antisocial. Yeah, and, you know, you're completely right there. But the ironic thing is, you know, we do connect. We have to connect with people on these platforms as well. And, you know, it's been a, a real positive for our business where young yeah. people feel they can connect and reach out to us where a lot of services close at five o'clock but yeah. what you're talking now about nature a few years ago i used to um, help on a project called telford green gym so it was basically the alternative to going into a gym and you know for me after what happened to me when i was younger i found going to the gym really helped me but i still mm. got that sense of anxiety walking in where you know you've got lads in vests you know swinging weights around yeah. shouting you know and i was walking in um, you know, quite a skinny young boy. Uh, and I just felt I was out of my kind of comfort zone. Mm. Um, and I absolutely loved this, these things we did in nature. We had people that kind of had their mental health issues, but we just got them out in nature. We were building willow domes. We were going, kind of going doing conservation tasks. We were going to schools, we we're engaging kids. I don't think I've ever felt as, as calm. So I always say to my wife and my kids at the weekend, we need to get out. Let's go for yeah. a walk get out to nature and it's free 
Yeah. It's amazing. It's free. Yeah. You know, cool. we, we could, could spend 20 quid down Costa or you could go for a walk in the woodland and take a flask with you. Yeah. Boom. Couple of quid on the car park. Everyone's a winner. Exactly. Everyone is an absolute, absolute winner. Yeah, exactly. So, so how long has Smash Life, you know, when, when was it born? And I, I always like to ask the question, what kind of failures did you experience sort of, you know, at the early stages of, you know, of the birth of Smash Life? And, you know, I, I don't necessarily, you know, want it to take a negative dive, but I think a failure is always important because, you know, rightly or wrongly, every business will face failures. You know, it, I think it's, again, my personal opinion, I think it's what makes us stronger. And obviously we can always learn from, from a failure. So, yeah, so, so how, how long have you guys, sort of, I guess, been, been born for as Smash Life? And yeah, what sort yeah, of failures so, have you seen? So we registered in, um, it was November 2018, so two years. Okay. Um, and it, it's an interesting thing when you say failures there, because without being arrogant, I don't think that we, there's, we've had too many things that have gone wrong. I think everything's been really good. And there's a reason why, a method behind my madness here, because I think all of our failures have probably come, probably working um, in our roles previous or our realizations. Hmm. Um, so maybe we've both worked for places before where we felt, do you know what, are people sh- are child centers, are people in these roles for the right reasons? Do yeah. we feel like uh, people understand what our passions are? Do we feel like we get the right support, um, you know, in terms of supervision? Do we feel valued as staff? And I think there's a lot of them boxes that we didn't put ticks in and you know, I think if it wasn't for our passion for what we do and our empathy towards others, I don't think we would have stayed in them roles. And I think we started to get quite frustrated and angry um, with some of the um, decisions that were made regarding children, regarding families. Yeah. And I think we just thought, you know, we have to go and create something on our own. And so, you know, if there was a failure, then we can look back and say, right, that's, we're accountable for that. So what are we going to do to overcome this? Um, you know, so COVID was a hurdle. Mm. COVID at the start was a hurdle. We both sat there and we were like, gosh, we're kind of a year in. What are we going to do? But it was a very quick conversation. We said, we have to still support young people. We have to learn how to use these, you know, Zoom, yeah. Skype, everything. Um, and we have to learn how to diversify. Yeah. So, yeah. It, you know, it could have been a failure because you know, we could have sat back and thought, oh my God, you know, uh, and put our heads in the pillows and thought, you know, we, we're going to struggle. We're not going to survive. Yeah. Um, but we had to kind of really kind of put an action plan together. Um, so in terms to answer your question, I think I've had a lot of failures previously and that might've been trusting other people that didn't have <laughs> the same intentions working with young people or being part of something where I didn't feel valued. Um, so I think what we've done at the right time of our lives is come together um, you know, and created quite a bit of a, a positive force, really. I love that answer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's really good because I don't think I've ever really had anyone say that they've not had um, sort of any failures whilst their business has started. But like you said, by the challenges and stuff that you would have seen 
obviously before the, obviously the business was put together, you, you've overcome them hurdles. Um, and it's, it's obviously hard not to, to touch on COVID um, because, yeah, it, it's, it's around us. It's everywhere. There is you know, no escape from it whatsoever. Yeah. Um, obviously, like I said, you know, uh, a lot of the time now you have to utilise like Skype, Zoom. You kind of have to bring yourself up to date with, you know, whatever technology we have. But kind of putting that to, to one side, how how do your kids cope with it? So like the kids that you mentor and, you know, that you are given support to. So for me personally, so my youngest, obviously she, she's almost two, so it, she's none the wiser. My eldest, as I said before, she's almost seven. So she lost pretty much all of year one. Um, so it was really hard. So like, we really struggled with the home, home learning because obviously you've got a toddler running around trying to do some homeschooling. I'm trying to work as well. So it was really quite tough. And, you know, I'll put my hands up. We, we did it, you know, for a good couple of weeks. Um, and it kind of just tailed off. And in the end, we just kind of went into the teaching of more practical things, you know, yeah. silly things like making sure that you can do with shoe laces, shoe laces properly and telling the time of getting her to help with, with cooking and stuff. But other than that, we didn't really get to understand from other kids' perspectives, you know, and maybe other parents on how they were coping. So I guess, yeah, my question is <laughs> really long way around of asking the question, <laughs> but how have your, so obviously not your two children specifically, but the kids you work with, you know, what kind of impact does COVID have? And sort of how, in, how have you and Matt, I guess, worked with them to obviously work through it? Yeah, and it, it, another really good question. It's all been about communication. So I think, when we uh, mentor children there's a there's a communication trail so we're in touch with their social worker in touch with um someone called the virtual head teacher who basically is in charge of all the children's uh, education um and we're in touch with their foster carers and i think that's been the most important connection that we've had because we've had foster carers that have contacted us and saying oh my god they're not getting their work done they're not doing this they're not doing that and you know they're meant to do six hours a day and I've been very kind of honest and said, listen, a home environment is a home environment. You know, we, we can't expect them to replicate a, a school timetable. No. So what you need to be really focusing on is that connection at home. Have a bit of fun, you know, set some things you need to do. Take part in, you know, the body coach daily, um, you know, so you get your hearts beating. Use that exercise time because now you have to go out once a day. Um, so you have to be quite clever with what you do yeah. um, and just really involve the family. And we were lucky with the first lockdown because the weather was on our side. So oh, wasn't it know, just? Yeah. So we were very lucky. But one thing I will say is the hardest thing for a lot of children we supported is they like to have family time. And the word is it's called contact. And I don't like that word because yeah. to them it, it, it's family time, seeing their mum and dad. And yes, sometimes it can be supervised, but because of COVID that was, that was stopped in a lot of cases, mm -hmm. um, which as a child, I would have probably been kicking off. I wouldn't have understood and been like, why can't I, you know? So for yeah. us, we've been like mediating and saying, listen, you can't control this situation. But what we can try and control is how we react, react to it. Yeah. So we had a lot of children that were messaging us at all times of the day. And luckily we were there to just kind of reassure them, 
redirect them, communicate back to foster carers, you know, just so everyone in the process, everyone wrapped around that child was working on the same wavelength. Um, so it's all been about communication and, you know, child centered approach really. Yeah. To, you know, and, and saying to foster carers, listen, you might see a spike in the behaviors at home, but you know, just let them have, that spike in the behavior sit with them and reflect later and then try and redirect them into something positive yeah definitely and i think it, it i think sort of the situation where it, because it was obviously very confined and you know I'm, I'm in a three-bed house it's not it's not the biggest of house and there is no real kind of not escape but i did i really started to feel for the kids because either they were downstairs with us or, you know, I'd be working in the kitchen, but then like my eldest should go play in a room. And then after about 20 minutes or so, I'd, I'd start to feel really guilty. I'm like, oh my gosh, she's playing in a room on her own. It's yeah. like, they need that time as well. Don't Do you know Children what? Your need kid, space as much as us. Your home is your home. Your kids should not see you working. So here's a bit of vulnerability for you. Um, I'll get round to the vulnerability bit, actually. My, my wife's a health visitor, so I've obviously, I support a number of children uh, through Smash Life. So we're both trying to support uh, mums that have just, you know, had babies, and then the children that I support, their families. And my three-year-old's chucking a toy at my head, maybe, or I'm having <laughs> a, a, a Skype or a Teams meeting with a social worker or, um, you know, a, a children's review. So, you know, you're trying to be professional, but it's just not possible. Uh, no. pos uh, possible. And then I've got my 10 year old sitting upstairs and you're thinking, right, is she sat on TikTok or something? And so this is why I try to say, listen, you're, you're not going to be doing six hours a day. Mm. Um, and I find it very hard because we had them expectations to get our work done and, and we didn't really have the support from the school um and we didn't know whether to send our children in at the start because we didn't know how yeah. serious this was so for me as well a massive trigger for me was when i was younger i was made to sit in my bedroom you know for weekends uh for evenings yeah uh, so i was always confined to one space so when i went to school that was my playtime so i wasn't there to learn so it felt like i was back there and when i work i like to be in a bit of a calm environment yeah. So when my children were shouting and screaming, it was kind of, I felt like I was back as a child being told off. It was like, whoa, you know, reacting yeah. to things. So I can see how it's really affected people. Mm. Um, but one thing I always said was, listen, you know, we're, we're just going to try and connect as much as we can. And we're yeah. not going to be school teachers because we're not. Yeah. And we're not going to make them do all this work. That's just try and get an hour, an hour and a half done. And then that's just try and relax and have a bit of fun. Yeah, and I think I think that really is the you know the, the best approach, and it, it's kind of interesting that you're saying um, so. So when you were a child, um, like at weekends or evenings and stuff, you you were made to sort of sit in your room. So it's very interesting that you say that because as as a child, that was something that I also experienced, and I guess I hadn't really given it as much thought. Um, so sort of how that how the lockdown would have impacted those feelings myself coming back because you know similar to yourself at school I just wanted to I was I was theoretically I was a class clown but I was I was getting attention you know obviously looking back now it was not the right attention I should have been receiving but yeah it's, 
I was just going, I needed, I needed that output and I needed to thrive. So yeah, that's actually, that's quite thought provoking on as a reflection of myself that maybe I, I didn't even consider. Yeah. And you know, when we do something called CPD for, for teachers, so continual professional development, we always say, try and look beyond, you know, it's the famous iceberg, isn't it? You know, what's going on that you can see and what's under. And for us, it was a release going to school. It was a playground, but what was going on is because of all the abuse at home, I was going to school and one minute I was trying to be Jim Carrey, trying to make everyone laugh. The next minute I was trying to be, Liam Gallagher walking around the, down the corridor with carpets under my arm, yeah. asking people what they're staring at or trying to help someone who I thought was in trouble and try, you know, I, I was, I was like this all the yeah. time, like a roller coaster. But what I didn't have was a teacher that when I walked in that maybe put an arm around me and just said, Hey, you know, yesterday I noticed, you know, you were arguing, is, is everything all right? Yeah. Or come and come and sit down with me and have a hot chocolate or just, you know, really kind of, connect with me i just felt like the teachers didn't like me and they were like go and sit over there and that's what we try and say is if you haven't got empathy towards the children's worlds if you can't connect with them it's a no-go because the children understand and they can realize who's really there for them yeah and they they can spot it quite quickly yeah and I, i think so obviously we've spoke about this before sort of message you a couple of times through Instagram and stuff, but see, this is a, you know, it's part of my career that I want to do. I want to work with teachers and work with kids. And I, I think for myself, if I would have had that support from, from a teacher, you know, even if it's just one teacher at school that, you know, similar to yourself would see my behaviors, you know, were really up and down and I was acting out. Yeah. If, if they would have just, like I said, just, sit down and give some reassurance and allow you to speak i think yeah. i think for me personally i probably would have overcome a lot more um a lot sooner and yeah. i i think from it and sort of in the environment i was in so i just really suppressed a lot of my feelings for for a hell of a long time and if i'm honest it's only really been within the last three years that i've kind of accepted that you know i, I have issues with my mental health and uh, I hate to use the word sort of diagnosis but I was told that I suffer with um, complex PTSD um, anxiety and depression but obviously depression it, it comes in waves but you know we kind of work through it all now but I, I really would like to think if if I had a lot more support but just some support at school then I think I probably could have come to terms with things a lot sooner and probably wouldn't have wasted you know maybe seven or eight years just on a bit of a downward spiral and and to me i always say to children that we support now because i'll be honest with you it doesn't matter about any of our qualifications i don't feel that we've got i feel what leads us is how we felt in that situation as children showing that vulnerability and being able to say the right thing at the right time and what I say to young people is who is, who is that, that, that person in school you can go to? You don't have to be friends of everyone. Not every teacher is going to like you. So if you're looking for validation off everyone, it's not going to happen. So that's a bit of the tough love we can sometimes give. Who is that one person? Because that's all you need. And that's all I, I, I ever had. When it was disclosed about the abuse, this teacher actually came to me and said, sorry. And I think what we find a lot 
with our work is teachers sometimes don't want to or adults don't want to say sorry to children admit they're wrong yeah. where to someone like you and me if a teacher would have said to us do you know what i'm sorry about the way i spoke to you the other day that would have been huge because you yeah. know your your head would have come up and you would have thought oh my god they're human they, you yeah know, they want to connect so don't ever see it as like lost years because look mm. at what you're doing now that's the way i look at it you know yeah. it, it's about flipping it isn't it um yeah definitely and and this is why i i openly talk about you know my past and and you know the hard times that i, I went through and you know I'm, I'm no different from anyone else you know just because i had a a harder upbringing doesn't make me you know any better or, or any different from anyone else all i want to do is you know take it learn from it and spread some positivity spread some awareness and make more people aware that you know there is help out there and yeah like, yeah there is help out there and there's no shame and especially for men there's no shame whatsoever in in talking about it yeah yeah and and also as well is what we say to the children that we support and the young people is you'll have realizations and light bulb moments at different times of your life. And yeah. so, you know, I'm, I'm 37 now and there's certain things that people said to me when I was younger, where I'm like, it, it felt like a punch in the stomach at the time, but it was the right thing to say. And yeah. then maybe I reflect on it now as an adult and think, Oh my God, you know, I'm really happy. They said that at that time. Um, but at the time you, you feel kind of feel like you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know yeah. what I'm going through because you're so, you're so set in that, you know, that what you're going through at the moment and that kind of tunnel of, you know, that negativity and, you know, you just feel like someone's got their foot on your head because you're yeah. so bogged down with all these things. Um, so I say to all the children we support, some of the advice I might give you, you might not even kind of realize just how important it is until maybe 10 or 15 years, but that's okay. Yeah. You know, because you've got it, you've got it stored. Yeah. Yeah. That's very, that's really true. And sort of touching on the, you know, the light bulb moment. So I guess, you know, when, when was your light bulb moment and was, was Matt's at a similar point or was it a case of, you know, one of you had the light bulb moment, you spoke to the other and, it kind of happened at the same time or, you know, what did that look like? I think it's, it, we've had plenty. And I think because of the, what we happen, what happened to us when we were younger, we, the part of the abuse was we had to have arranged fights against each other. So um, one of us would be in the good books and we'd go and attack the other one and all sorts. So hmm. we didn't really speak in our twenties. It, 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 it was a lot of avoidance because, and you find this a lot now with siblings in care. And that's why we tried to do a lot of work, bringing them together because no one wanted to bring us together to mediate to kind of understand why there probably was a lot of jealousy so yeah. when we were uh, and why there was a lot of avoidance and also looking at each other it just reminded us of back in you know that abusive home so i think for me i think what happened was i was 16 17 18 probably to 23 i that, they were kind of my childhood years where i was like i'm gonna go out party university yeah. And everything and then i started to realize that hang on a minute going out three or four times a week why am i feeling so low after um and i was very strict you know i've, I've never tried smoking or a drug in my life but you know i did drink because that was a university culture of playing yeah. for the football team and and i didn't want to miss out 
But I think realizations for me is when I finished uni, I think my wife's dad, so I met my wife about 13 years ago. And I think I was in a bit of a blame and shame culture where I was like, God, this happened to me. Oh, you know, I want justice. And he was like, you know what? You make your own luck in this world. And at the time it felt like someone punched me in the stomach. Yeah. It's what I needed because I was a bit like that. Who do you think you're talking to? But yeah, <laughs> honestly, I didn't say it because it's my wife's dad. <laughs> yeah. That to me was a massive light bulb moment. And then I, I also had dreams and aspirations myself of being, my, of being a dad myself. And I thought I need to change my mindset and, and change what I'm doing and change kind of, you know, what I'm choosing to do, you know, mm. so going out drinking, it's making me feel like crap, but actually going to the gym's making me feel great. Going for a jog's making me feel great. And if yeah. I'm going to be a dad, if I'm going to be this role model, I need to practice what I preach. And I find there's a lot of people that work with children that take on all this. You, you take on a lot of people's stress and yeah. worries and fears. And there's a lot of people that say to children, you're meant to do this, do this, but they might be going home and drinking three bottles of wine a night. Yeah. And people are off with stress. So I, I, my view is you have to practice what you preach. And yeah, 100%. So my brother had this, he's had quite a lot of light bulb moments. I think at the age of, um, he was at university and I think he was like myself drinking a lot, but you know, he discovered the guitar. He found it very cathartic writing his own songs. And also as well, leaving care, we were both a bit like, right, there's no financial support. Um, that it was kind of non-existent any support we better get off our backsides and, and make this happen ourselves yeah but one constant for both of us was we've always worked with children and young people and you know that to us was like wow it feels like a bit of therapy for us you know making yeah. other people feel happier yeah and uh, I, I don't know if you feel the same but sometimes i feel that i'm being quite selfish um, because working with with people, um, it, yeah, it almost feels like my own kind of therapy. So, yeah, I don't know if that is that something that maybe you know you've felt in the past, or maybe you feel now. I've 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 never felt selfish. I felt I feel that sometimes I've needed to learn when to switch off. I can't save everyone because it's like a drug. Making people feel nice feels amazing. Yeah. And you want more of it. And that, and the problem is when you have empathy for others' feelings, having felt that yourself, you feel like you can save everyone and be there for everyone. And the reality is you can't and you need to yeah. switch off. And, you know, I'm very lucky that I absolutely love what I do and it's a huge passion. And I, I think it shows. And we delivered training on Monday and said, if you haven't got a passion, you're, you're, you're actually dealing with people's lives. So if you haven't got a passion for what you do, please leave. <laughs> yeah. And we have to be a bit Gordon Ramsay like that and say, please go and find something you've got a passion for because it will show. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I can walk into schools and settings and be like, Oh my God, do you want to be around kids? <laughs> yeah. or do you, just, you hate kids. Yeah. Um, so I've, I've never felt, um, I've never felt bad for it. I've always felt like it actually, it's a huge source of therapy, but what I've had to learn is put boundaries in for myself. Yeah. Which has been blimming hard. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> and I can imagine that's been tough for yourself as well. Just sometimes take that time for yourself, self-care. Yeah. Yeah, especially, you know, you mentioned it a couple of moments ago, like practicing what you preach. 
I'm forever being told my my wife and my dad more than anyone are always telling me to practice what I preach. But yeah, it, it is difficult sometimes because you know, like you said, you kind of it is addictive that feeling of helping people and you do want more of it. And then before you know it, you've taken on, you know, all the stresses of these other people. And, you know, sometimes I do feel myself and I get quite overwhelmed with it. But then they then they're like, you know the coping mechanisms, you know what to do. You know, take that step back and you know, work through it and deal with it. So yeah, it's de- it's definitely nice to have, you know, the, the couple of people there to to support me sort of in, in that sense. Rain you back in and you know, I, I I use the words that I have to be quite strict with my routines. I have to be because after what I went through as a, ch- a child, I have to see that I probably see the world a lot differently to other people. I probably go into fight, flight or freeze in situations. Um, but it's only because, you know, it's basic, you know, brain development, your brain it finishes developing at 26. And then I realized that I was a lot calmer then. And we're asking kids why they've probably gone and punched someone or they've done this. And the reality yeah. is they don't even know. Yeah. I was speaking to a kid about kick. Someone asked me to speak to him about kicking a, a traffic cone the other day. And I was like, really? I was doing worse than that at like 14. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I just said to him, just be careful, mate, because people are watching and stuff. Um, and it's, it, it's just funny because it's a lot of the cycle repeating itself. And, and we can see that. Um, and I think what kids love with what we do is we're just honest. We're not reading yeah. off a, a sheet. We're sitting down in that moment with them. And what we do a lot differently with kids is I remember being sat in front of social workers and they would have a piece of paper. Actually, I've got a piece of paper with me and they'd be like, right. So uh, Andy, tell me what time's your bedtime? What and they were scribbling down all this to justify why they'd been there with me. And I'd just be thinking, you're not here for me so i'd be like what did you do at the weekend they were like we're not here to talk about you (laughs) so so, uh, talk about me sorry so what we do with children now is we show that vulnerability right at the start so we we show a bit of a presentation about us to say this is our world and this is actually this might help you to understand that we actually kind of know what you're going through yeah and at the start of most sessions well, pretty much every session, I do loads of things like mini games on the floor, mini kind of hand tennis, table tennis. And I get, always do it in small areas. So let's get rid of the external and let's focus on what we can control. That's not getting them on a football pitch and smash the ball as hard as we can. It's all about focus and control. And once that brain's stimulated, before they know it, that child is just so engrossed in that session. Yeah. So that's what we do, kind of thinking outside the box. And I think more people need to do it. Yeah, definitely. And like you said about sort of, you know, they'll be there with their pen and paper and they're just going through a tick list. And yeah, if you said it a moment ago, like if your passion isn't there, go move on, go do something that you are passionate about. And in 2020, like you can be passionate about trying biscuits. You can make a career out of that. Yeah. Like, it doesn't, and I, I say this to a lot of people, like it, it genuinely doesn't matter what your passion is as long as you enjoy it and you are, you know, it, it gets you up in the morning, it gets you excited, double down on it. You know, even if it's like, I don't know, doing crosswords, whatever, do it. If that's what you love doing, do more of it. Because we all, you know, at some point in our life get subjected to hard times and bad times. So make the most of, 
the, the good times that you that you can have. Yeah, and you know, it's we all say control the controllables, control what you can do. Um, you know, I, I was supporting a child last night, and there's been a spike in his behaviour. Um, so I've been asked to go and support him again, and we had a great time. We went for a kickabout, and then when we got down to a real conversation after. I was just going, what, what's, the, what's the big issues for you at the moment? And he said, Andy, I can't go on my bike. I can't go mountain bike at the moment because my bike's broke. So, you know, that for, for, a ch- for some, an adult, you know, that can be a little bit of a problem because you have to think, right, I need a bit of money to sort this. But for a child, that's huge because you're like, yeah. I haven't got any money. For a child in care, especially, because you're like, who am I going to ask to fix this bike? I feel cheeky asking someone. So I was like, right, okay, so I'm going to, um, take this to your social worker and I'm going to explain the situation and we're going to try and, f- and fix this which you're going to try yeah. and get because you've got your mocks coming up you've got exams you've got lockdown you can't see your dad you need that release yeah. and um, it's about one thing I, I find is it's about promoting a release to children but also acting on it not just talking about it saying right okay so you want to go to the gym no problem we'll pay for some PT sessions Oh, you want a, um, a gym membership? We'll come with you because we understand how daunting it can be walking through them doors, but we're going to do it together. Yeah. Not yeah. like, oh yeah, they love football, they need boots. Three months later, why didn't you get them their boots? Oh, I forgot about that. We actioned it, but we haven't done it. It's like, come yeah. on. And we, we need more proactive services rather than reactive, you know, preventative services that are going to be there and they're going to see that potential or what's needed and act on it straight away. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I love that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, as I said to you at the start, I'm, I've been really excited to get this podcast put together. So you know I've been hounding you <laughs> to get it put in for a while. And me personally, I am taking so much away from, from our conversation and I just know for a fact that, that everyone listening will also, but well, I'd like to, to hope that everyone listening will also take a lot away from it. Um, time is pressing on ever so slightly. Um, so I don't want to keep it all night. <laughs> so this is a bit of a, like, I guess out of the box question. It's, yeah. Most people can't see, you know, you, you're at dinner table. Who do you want sat around it? I want to put a bit of a twist on it. So you have three people, dead or alive, that you could have working with you as part of Smash Life. Yeah. Who would they be? And obviously, why would you pick them? And what do you think that they could bring to Smash Life to help it grow? Okay. Uh, three people. Interesting. So... Do you know what? I'm, I'm a big fan and, and this guy does divide opinions, but I found him quite inspirational myself. Um, Ant Milton. Um, and I know he, he divides opinions. Um, but for me, I, I love, I love the show and I love watching him. And sometimes when I see stuff he puts it, that sets me, I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's just, you know, what I needed to read that morning. And, you know, you need to focus on the positives. And I know it's very easy to say focus on the positives sometimes, but 
it really does work. Focus on what you can control. Focus on what you've won already that week. Yeah. Um, and I think he would bring in a bit of that. Let's get it done. We need a plan. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's not talk about it. And myself and my brother are a bit like that. We're like, we haven't argued once in two years. We haven't had one crossword. You know, we used to argue oh, every yeah. day as kids. Yeah. But it's literally a phone call. I think we, what we've had is a lot of respect for each other. It's like, yeah. right, Matt, should we do this? Yeah, let's get it done. Bang. Should we get some uh, T-shirts for kids? Yeah, let's get it done. Bang. Sorted. So someone like Ant Middleton would be great at that. It'd be like, we need to do this. Let's get yeah. it done. That's a solid first person, by the way. I know I've sort of put it in there, but yeah, I am a bit of a fangirl with uh, Ant Middleton. So when he did his first sort of uh, UK tour, um, me and my mate, we were like one of the first people through the door. So we had this opening night, it was in Leamington, uh, which is in um, the West Midlands, if you're not familiar. But yeah, Yeah. we were like, we were one of the first few there. And that was the only night he didn't come back out. Oh, really? Every other um, place he went to, he came back out and sort of said hello to people. I was devastated. (laughs) Sorry. I went to the Liverpool one. Okay, yeah. And he's, I've got a video, he sent me a video as well, um, because I know a guy in Manchester, Daryl Laycock, who, uh, God, he's got one hell of a story himself, but he's... um, you know, throwing himself into helping children, young people. And um, I speak to Dal quite a lot and he got Ant to send me um, a video message. Oh, wicked. Uh, and he said he would love to meet me as well. So, God, that to me, you know, I, I just, I need to be around people that um, have got that positive energy. Yeah. Um, you know, and don't get me wrong, we all have bad days. And sometimes, you know, I wake up and I'm like, gosh, you know, you just do it's just natural it's going to happen and especially after what the likes of us have been through and yourself but sometimes it's about being around people like that going right but what can we control what we're going to do what's on the agenda so he's definitely in this next person you know i've watched them and i think sometimes it's about a bit of female empowerment and really reaching out to some of these girls that feel lost and there's it, I've watched on documentaries and I thought, you're amazing. That, you, do you know Katie Piper? Yes. Yeah. Um, I think she's absolutely amazing just because of, you know, what she went through, how she's overcome and showing that vulnerability to, mm. you know, rise from, you know, that absolute shame of what, what she went through and, yeah. And, but now to become an absolute voice and just have that acceptance. So we talk to children all the time about if you're going to move forward, you have to have an acceptance. And I think for myself and my brother as well, you know, we had dreams of going around our abuser's house and Bruce Lee kicking the door in and all sorts. Naturally, it was like, you know, we want justice when you're younger. Yeah. The only way that it started to change and flip was when we, we accepted that this actually happened. Um, and I think I take a lot of that from someone like Katie. And I think we, there's a lot of girls that would as well. Yeah. And she would probably also give them that tough love where they're like, you're moaning because you've got like, you know, 1300 followers and your friend's got 1600 <laughs> followers on Instagram. Yeah. You know, here's a real life problem that I had yeah. to get through. And that's when I talk about tough love. Um, yeah. So Katie Piper would definitely be in, um, 
and I think you've got a tip it you need you need a, a you know a strong empowering woman in as well um my last one geez so it's someone who um I loved I loved football growing up I also loved rugby and I loved um a player called Johnny Wilkinson yes and so if you've read about Johnny Wilkinson's career he talks about having a lot of kind of anxiety and worries before he played yeah and because of what I went through when I was younger I used to, especially in my 20s, I used to drink a bottle of, or two of beer before I played because managers reminded me of my foster dad. Um, there wasn't a lot of kind of arm around you, talking to you. And I think to be a very good leader, you need to recognise what people need, yeah. different approaches. And Johnny Wilkinson, he internalised everything. So from the outside, as fans, we were like, flipping out, this guy's amazing. Like he... He, you know he looks like he should be in the gladiators he's yeah. you know he's basically carrying England on his back and like he was there then just saying you know I really had to force myself to get out there on the pitch I was so nervous you know and it's just someone like him who can show that real vulnerability and just say do you know what you may I may have an MBE after me or whatever he's got um, I've got a world cup but god I've had some struggles yeah. You know, and he's recently been on some of the podcast high performance. Um, yes. Yeah, so uh, I've listened to, to bits of that and I must admit, so I'm a rugby fan myself and Johnny Wilkinson, he's, you know, he's well up there, you know, him and Dan Carter, you know, name me two better fly apps. But yeah, some of the stuff that was said on, on, on that podcast, it, it really made you think, like you said, like, God, like it, that must have been so hard. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, like he, he's, as we've said, like he's kind of accepted it and, yeah, you know, and, and been able to come through it. And yeah, because I know he's, he's starting to do, well, correct me if I'm wrong, I think he's starting to do some work with some children and stuff. So, so they are now obviously more aware of, you know, the, the feelings of anxiety and, you know, and, and how we can, you know, best deal with it. He's a very a deep thinker and a, a perfectionist, isn't he? And yeah. um, that's one thing that I took away where I think when I look at the dynamics of Smash Life, um, I'm very much like, we can get it done a lot more positive. And my, my brother is as well, but he really is a, a deep thinker. Yeah. Uh, we could turn up to a conference and do a talk and my brother would be like, what if that doesn't work? What's that? And I'm like, everything's going to be okay. Yeah. Um, but I think it works because my brother also brings in a bit of that steel sometimes. Otherwise, I'd be working 24 hours a day. Yeah. Family, uh, and we'd probably have nothing in the bank account. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Remembering you've got a wife and two kids at home. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's fine, mate. You know, they'll be all right in the sheds. They'll be yeah, fine. Yeah, they'll be fine. Get a tent, they'll be sound. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, mate, they are three quality answers. Yeah. And the three you know, really inspirational people for for so many different reasons. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, it's hard though, isn't it, to narrow it down? Um, yeah, definitely, hundred percent. But you've got to have people in front of kids that are gonna are gonna actually be real. Mm. You know, I remember going to university and they and the first um, sports lecture is basically like first row stand up. So I was going to university, I had all the people didn't know I had this backpack of problems that happened in my past. 
Um, but I looked okay because I was going on the sunbed twice a week and I, you know, I looked, I had a credit card, so I was buying loads of clothes and I looked yeah. great. But the lecturer, I remember he stood up and he goes, first two rows stand up, I start, he goes, you guys are going to fail this first year, 10% of you. And I thought, wow, what a really amazing speech. You know, I reflect on it now and I think, at the time, I remember just looking at him thinking, and I, I did fail that first year. And I think, for someone like me, who thrived on someone putting an arm around me going, listen, you're going to be okay, Andy. Yeah. Uh, I believe in you. I was gone. I'd already lost. You switched you off know. already. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, right, okay, I'm just going to have fun for a year. I yeah. did probably, probably I'm not good enough. Um, and I didn't learn things like that, you know, that self-worth and that I am good enough yeah. until many years after. So, yeah, and it's, it's, so sorry to, to put it in there, but it's just kind of just coming to my head now. So, um, obviously, you, you must know who Eddie Jones is, the yeah. England head, um, head coach. So, as an outside looking in, if you're not really familiar with Eddie Jones, he comes across as this really stern character that it's, you know, it's my way or the highway, but he's really the opposite. So, he really can sort of differentiate and he can really connect with his players and he really does know like the ones that need a little bit of extra attention and so I'm a big fan of James Haskell and yeah the good the bad and the rugby uh Eddie Jones has been on that and he, he does he just he says there are times when Haskell just needs a solid kick up the ass and then maybe two days later he just needs that arm around him that little bit of reassurance yeah. and you know it's that perception like because you do, you honestly look at the bloke and you just think he's just, you know, uh, just a wall and you're not getting through it. But he's actually, like I said, he's just the complete opposite. Yeah. And I think if we can take more people like that as a role model, especially within that profession, then I think that'll be a massive game changer. I really, really do. Especially within such a, uh, I say, masculine sport as rugby, but obviously women are really dominating that sport as well. But yeah, I think if you get more more coaches like that and like lecturers and stuff, then yeah, it's going to make such a world of difference. But I, I see it even at my daughter's age. She's in an under um, under elevens team, and you know they were playing a team the other week. And I I've managed an under eighteens team myself, and um, to me it was the little things, you know, like standing at the front of the bus when they were coming on you know, these um, college students shaking all their hands, looking at them in the eye and thinking, right, do I need to go around in that co on the coach and just have a word with a couple of them on the way? You know, because I remember being that lad, you know, sat on the coach and the football manager would be sat at the front and all you'd see is the back of their head and they would ignore you and you'd be like, do they like me? Am I going to be starting? And yeah. like, You're not going to get the best out of anyone. And I've been at some of my daughter's games and I stand in silence and watch because A, no one ever watched me play sport as a child. And so I'm taking so much pleasure in it. And I'm also thinking this will lead to a few conversations later. Like, oh, I remember next time you got the ball, you know. But to me, it's all about positive reinforcement. Yeah. My, you know, but I see some coaches, even at her age, that are shaming kids. And then we wonder why girls football, girls might drop off at 13, 14. Yeah. And then they get involved in some of these, you know, undesirable activities and we've lost them. So it's all about our approach. And you've got people like Jurgen Klopp. I would have loved to have played for someone like him. Yeah. Give me a hug at the end of the game. Yeah. You know, <laughs> driving home on top of the world because your manager loves you. 
So we've taken that into um, Smash Life with our staff. We get, we, you know, we have this summer, we had a barbecue for all of our staff. Mm. Um, and next summer we're going to do something. We always check in on them. We ask them, you know, what they need from us. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's not a dictatorship. It's a team. Yeah. And, and I think that's so crucial because if you are, if you are in a team and you feel like you're in a team rather than like I said, a dictatorship, then you get so much more out of people. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a firm believer of that. You know, there's people in, in, in different teams, staff that are going to know more than me on certain areas. I say to the kids that I work with, I'm like, wow, you've taught me something today. Thank you. Yeah, we learn from each other. We're all learning yeah. and, and we're all evolving all the time. Yeah, and that's it. And, and one of the things I really, I get quite disappointed when I see people that kind of shut off to, to new ideas. So especially, you know, if you work maybe in a corporate industry and, yeah. so you're young and then you're boss but you've got these ideas and stuff and you throw them out and you put them on the table and they're just just yeah. dismissed straight away and you think it's such a shame that they've got a closed mindset when yeah. really they could be they could grow so much then they just kind of expect for you if you're younger then yeah you know there's nothing you can teach me i'm teaching you everything sometimes i think they've lost the why why they've gone into that yeah and then sometimes you have to look at the levels above them and think what pressures are they putting on them mm. um, to make them kind of act in this way. I always remember being a community development worker and I think in the half term, um, I had a football uh, tournament for the kids and there was 200 kids that came to it and I invited the local CSOs, the police, um, the local job box. So basically someone came down and spoke to the 16 to 18 year olds about kind of how to apply for jobs just little conversations, give them leaflets. Yeah. All these people, and I said to the kids, if you want to have this tournament, you have to manage your own teams. You have to come to me. You have to um, submit your teams to teach them all them leaderships and taking control, not me turning up and them going, yeah, cheers, Andy, organize this. Yeah. It was like, and I remember my manager about a week later emailing me going, explain to me why it was a good use of your time to do that. And I was like, Right. Okay. So I had to send a big email back just saying I'm a community development worker. And the only time we're going to bring change is by connection. Yeah. Like actually going to some of these children and actually doing something positive with them. Yeah. You know, and it got to the stage where they saw police officers as their names, not police officers run. We see the jacket. It yeah. was like, Hey, Steve, how are you? And that's what we want. You know, that's yeah, cohesion back. So it's, it's sometimes it's about standing up to these people, whether they're managers or not, and just saying, do you remember when you were actually on the ground as well? Yeah. And, and why you got into these roles? Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Okay, so, Andy, I could honestly, I could sit here and talk to you all night. What I would like to do, though, is I'd love to get you on for another episode so if that's something you give me a thumbs up, yeah, I can live with that a few days. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Um, so I think we'll park it there and we'll pick it up at a later date because, yeah, like I said, I could just talk to you for hours. For everyone that's listening, um, I guess where is the best place to, to contact you? And is there any sort of leaving note that you, you want to say or 
Anything you want to drop at the end there? Um, yeah, so, you, you know, we've got a website, www.smashlifeuk.com, or we're on all social media platforms. I think um, Instagram is at smashlifeuk1, I think. Um, or anyone's welcome to send us a message. We always get back to everyone. Um, and, uh, you know, I think my leaving message is, you know, remember life's short, so don't, you know, don't pass up on opportunities. And if you're passionate about something, go for it, you know, and that's what I've learned, you know, don't let things hold you back. I've got to the age of 37 now where I think, God, what, in my 20s, I just thought I couldn't do it. You know, there's too many things in my mind saying you couldn't do it, but yeah. don't ever, you know, let anything stop you getting to where you want to get to. Push yourself and believe in yourself. I love it. So, yeah, I love it. Andy, thank you so much for, for coming on on today's episode. For everyone else that's listening, I'll link all those details Andy just said in the show notes. As always, please stay safe and mind your fitness. Stay safe and mind your fitness.